five, four, three, two, one. Funkadelic Podcast is a podcast about the things that make life worth living. Um, I have yet to come up with a better tagline than that. Um, one that lets me range all over the show and do whatever I want. Because as I often say on here, it's my podcast and fuck you. So... This is what it is tonight, Punkadelophiles. We're going to revisit a grand old Punkadelic tradition that dates back as far as episode 2. And we're having ourselves a game book episode of the show. So that's where I get a choose-your-own-adventure book and just sit down and read it out loud. So for tonight's offering, i got to say a very special thanks and a shout-out to Rachel Moore. Long-time top fan of the show all the way in Australia. Um, sent me a couple of books from charity shop over there and uh, we are going to america in the 1800s today today's book is called gunfire at gettysburg by doug wilhelm shout out doug do not do not message me about copyright doug just don't do it think of the exposure you're getting on punkadelic podcast So, let's have a look at this book. There are a bunch of soldiers on the front here uh, with a cannon running about with those things that used to stuff the cannons. There's explosions in the sky, explosions in the foreground. Dude, I don't know shit about the American Civil War, but I do watch a lot of Matt and Shane's secret podcasts, so I feel like some of that will creep in. Maybe I'll just have to try and channel those two. I actually don't know shit about the American Civil War. Just whatever you learn about it in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, I guess. I always hate when soldiers fucking show up in westerns too, because it's like, oh no, not the fucking army, like, coming to shut everything down, like, there's gunslingers and bounty hunters out here, and freed runaway slaves called Django doing stuff, you know, like, that's where I'm at, so, I was just watching a little bit of a western to get in the mood here, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, a great uh, resource, if you're into old spaghetti westerns, is Gringo... Uh, fuck, I forget the full title. It's like Gringo Western Movies. It's the channel on YouTube, but you spell Gringo with a J instead of an I, and it's just got, it's got tons of stuff. So I was just watching some of the big gun down and thoroughly enjoying it. Levon Cleef, my personal favorite, who's like a weird character in that one. He's like definitely out there hunting down bank robbers and now going after one Mexican who's on the loose wanted for raping and killing a 12-year-old girl. But somebody definitely also referred to him as Senator. So he's got that going on. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting that one wrapped up. We'll have a go at that when we're editing the show. I know the show hasn't been coming out too regularly recently, but my podcast, fuck you, you know, you heard, you remember. Um, You know, things are fucking... It's difficult times over here right now to just make time to sit down and do the podcast. Specifically bringing the good times vibes to it that I need to and like to. So don't worry about it. Look, we're, we're working on it. The, the ideas never stop coming. They're all they're all getting logged. And I do see the view count going up, you know, slowly but surely. Or the listen count uh, as it is. So thanks to everybody that, that tunes into the show. I can't believe anybody does. So um, this is it. I'm just out here trying to, like, promote movies and books that i like and fucking i don't really know what the whole point of this is but here we are you know it's like a man's got to do something like you can't just watch youtube every single fucking day of your life and that's it so uh also one thing i like to remind myself of when i'm doing this podcast is do you know ronnie cheng he always just fucking has up on his instagram story create more than you criticize and it's just like but my creation is often criticizing things so I don't know where I really stand on that one, but anyway, we're going to jump in here with a game book episode because it's simple to produce. There's not too much thinking going on. Uh, Gunfire at Gettysburg. You're the star. Ten exciting endings. Will the bloodiest battle in our nation's history prove you a hero or a coward? Well, I think like it's going to be very important for a start what side this book places us on because i think you know doing something radical and making us fight for slavery it's like 
yes, that is more compelling. Let's get that book written. Do you think that book would have much fucking juice these days, or do you think there'd be a bit of a, bit of a backlash? Not quite sure. You and your friends have longed to see action firsthand in what they're calling the War of Secession. But apart from your make-believe battles, you've never even laid eyes on a real rebel soldier. Until now. Now, as the world outside explodes with cannon fire and the cries of the wounded, you find yourself crouched in terror in an abandoned barn. As the clamour dies down, you muster your courage to peek outside. Please put your hands up, says a genteel southern voice. Shaking and suddenly cold, you raise your hands and turn around slowly. It is a Confederate officer. Reckoning you to his commanding officer, oh, excuse me, Reckoning you ought to know the local terrain, he offers to take you to his commanding officer, the legendary General Robert E. Lee. He says he won't shoot you if you run, but you wonder. You're being offered the chance to play a pivotal role in history, but should you help the general whose army is overrunning your town? If you agree to meet with the revered general, turn to page 25. If you decide to make a break for Gettysburg and check on your family's safety, turn to page 10. Think very carefully before you decide. Tens of thousands of lives may be at stake, including your own. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. We know how game books work, bro. We're not. We're all. This is old hat for us. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredible, during experiences. I tend to find that about. 45 minutes to an hour is enough to get thoroughly pissed off at one of these books. So, there is that. So this is it, game book episode. Um, check out some of our older game book episodes. I believe they are called... So episode 2, You Are a Cat in the Zombie Apocalypse. Episode 9 or 10, War with the Evil Power Master. And then there's another... Something to do with Pussy is the second cat book episode. So there's a couple out there, and I also have a fabulous new one on the way. See, I remembered what the range of game books that I actually used to read and enjoy was called, and they're called Fighting Fantasy. So I've got a really cool one of those on the way. So we're definitely going to get some game book episodes out of that too. It's called Freeway Fighter, and it basically puts you right there in Mad Max, and it's extra infuriating because you have to always keep uh, fuel in your car. So there's like a whole system for running out of that and there's like none of it around so i'm not really sure but anyway it's cool it's got cool vibes and uh post-apocalyptic big time and yeah i'm looking forward to that it says it won't be here until september 19th but i paid for that paid for the majority of that with a voucher that i got from participating in a study after i got hit by a bus so thanks for that uh ubc University of British Columbia. And, uh, yeah, on with the fucking show. Let's get into this. So, did that say that I had the option to go straight away and meet General Robert E. Lee? Well, we're obviously going to do that. Let's go and see what the fucking, the head of the slavery movement had to say, right? Obviously. This book's got some tricky racial lines to walk, you know? And when did this come out? When was this force published? Choose Your Own Adventure number 151. I wonder is this in the same series as uh, War with the Evil Power Master? Doesn't look exactly the same. Anyway, War with the Evil Power Master fucking sucked. That line is completely for children. But I just got carried away in Powell's Bookstore. Powell's Bookstore, Portland, Oregon. Five stories and a basement and a rare books room. If you're a fucking nerd and you like to read, you owe it to yourself to get yourself there. I can't wait to go back. I bought them out of George R.R. R. Martin fiction. So time to go back, I think, and try and plug some of the gaps in my ever-burgeoning Stephen King collection and get a ton more game books. What say you, Poncadelophiles? Okay, so I also want to take a very quick second to say that um, I'm recording this uh, with the air conditioning on and if removing that background hum does funky things to the audio here then look I'm sorry this is a free podcast okay um, it's like it, it's not 36 degrees outside but it feels like it in Vancouver at the moment so 
there's that. We need the aircon and whatever. I know white noise fills tons of the spectrum, so when you try and remove it, it just causes fucking havoc sometimes, but that's what it is. Maybe it might even sound alright with the aircon going, so who knows. Let's get fucking started. Uh, well, hold on. There's no way I, uh, I uh, there's no way I could be a Brit in this, is there? Okay, well, if there's any inclination... No, because it's the American Civil War, right? If there's any inclination of any Brits hanging around, we'll be going, taking the choice to shoot them straight away. Muskets out, let's go. Okay, here we go. It's Tuesday, but there's no school. It's summertime. Tomorrow is the first day of July, 1863. There's a war on. The Great and Terrible War of Secession. But for three years it has raged far away from your peaceful town in southern Pennsylvania. Far away, that is, until now. This afternoon, grey clouds hang heavily over the long ripples of green woods and golden fields that frame your town. The fields are ripe, but no one is cutting the wheat. People say soldiers are marching this way. The whole town seems frozen in suspense. All except you and your ver- all except you and your best friend. I'll be the Rebs this time, says Billy Bailey, a sandy-haired farmer's son. No, you won't, you answer. You crouch low and aim your long stick. You're the Yanks and you'll charge, then I'll mow you down. But you always get to be the Rebs, Billy says, and you always mow me down. Well, that's what always happens, you snap. Don't I read the papers? The Yanks always blunder into some trap and the Rebs mow them down. Now play your part, Billy Bailey. I won't. Not this time, he snaps back. No need to play at balls, calls a man from the road nearby. You'll see one shortly. Oh, surely, you answer sarcastically. People have said that for weeks and nothing's happened. Nobody's going to fight over a little town like Gettysburg. Turn to page 42. So far, the rebels have been the dashing winners of this war and the Yankee Bluecoats the bumbling losers. The Confederates have been outnumbered and outgunned, but they have won almost every battle. Your father says slavery is evil, and you agree about that. But aren't the rebels fighting for their homeland? So far, every single battle has been fought in the South. It isn't easy to decide which side is right in this war, and up until, and up until now your imagination has been captured by all the stories you've heard about the ragged, reckless fighters under General Robert E. Lee. Climb a tree, the man says. You'll get a sight. Billy looks at you. Let's go, he says. No, we'll climb into the cupola at the seminary, but won't your father be mad? Your father teaches at the Lutheran Theological Seminary, a school for ministers nearby. Protestants. Nobody's mining us today, you say. Come on. Turn to page three. Kind of feels redundant when we're right there. The school sits atop one long ripple called Seminary Ridge, just outside the town. In a few minutes, you've sneaked into the main building and tiptoed up to the cupola. Uh, uh, what is a cupola? Oh my gosh, says Billy Bailey. Along the west rises South Mountain, a long fostered bank eight miles away. Along the west rises South Mountain, a long forested bank eight miles away. All its cleared spots are crawling with tiny figures. Dozens on dozens of little smoke trails rise from the mountainside. You realise the rumours are true. General Lee's troops have invaded the north. You're looking at the campfires of the Army of Northern Virginia. From behind you, back in town, you hear cheering and the pounding of hooves. Among the houses you glimpse horsemen clad in blue. The Union Cavalry, you whisper. We might see a skirmish after all. Turn to page 54. Seminary Ridge, long, low and lined with oak trees, runs straight south from the building you are perched atop. Close by on your left sits the tidy town of brick homes and church spires. Gettysburg is the country seat and roads converge here from all directions, from your state's capital of Harrisburg, from Baltimore and Washington DC. Just beyond town is a hill with a new cemetery. From that hill a second straight ripple, Cemetery Ridge, also runs south. Below the town it faces across the farm fields towards Cemetery Ridge. 
Below the town it faces, below the town it faces across the farm fields towards Seminary Ridge. The two ridges are parallel, but Cemetery rises higher. At its far end are two rough hills, little round top, its rocky face open to your view, and beyond it, big round top, big round top, covered in woods. You watch the Federal Cavalry emerge from Gettysburg and pass beneath your perch. Beyond Seminary Ridge they stop and begin setting up camp. You look beyond them and spot a column of men in tan or grey clothes coming this way. You point. Billy nods. There's Johnny Reb, he says. Your heroes. Are the rebels your heroes? Sure, Lee's soldiers have bravely defended their homeland, but now they're in your territory. If there's a big fight here, which side will you choose? Turn to page 40. Not a lot of choosing so far in this choose-your-own-adventure, but... Turn to page 40, we will. That night, everything in town is quiet. At dawn, you're down the stairs and about to run out the door. Wait, your mother says. Where are you going? To meet up with Billy. I'd rather you stayed, she says. I'm worried. I'll be back soon, you promise. And you're gone, running west towards Seminary Ridge. Billy Bailey's farmhouse is just beyond the ridge. He's waiting for you. Any action, you ask? None yet, he says, but there were campfires all over, all night. You run out to the open spread of land above town. To the west stands a long line of blue troops facing the other way. They have a few cannons. Just back of their line stands some men with groups of horses clutching the reins. That's the cavalry, says Billy. Let's climb, you say, pointing to an oak tree. I want to see. Billy nods. Turn to page 46. You both scramble up. You climb out on a branch, push aside some leaves and look out. Beyond the thin line of blue cavalry, coming up the far side of the next ridge, are soldiers in grey, wave after wave after wave. They're not yet visible from the ground, but from your perch you see that thousands and thousands of rebels are approaching. Marching in wide, orderly crowds, they fill the road and spread across the fields. Dust rises everywhere. Let's get out of here, Billy whispers. But before you can start down, the ground beneath you erupts in flame and smoke and thunders with explosions. The battle has begun, and you're trapped in a tree. Turn to page 72. The air rattles with the clatter of muskets firing. Your tree shudders as cannons blast. Dark smoke swirls around, stabbed with flaming darts. Men shout, somebody screams, shot thuds into the trunk beneath your feet. We've got to get out of this, Billy shouts. You have no idea what's happening. You can't see. You're not sure what to do. You don't think this line of cavalry can hold off all those Confederates, but when the smoke swirls off, the bluecoats are still there, still firing, and the huge masses of rebels are coming on. They're aiming beneath us. We're safer up here, you tell Billy. Let's just watch a while. The battle builds, fiercer and louder. You see a bluecoat blown backward. Other Federals lie motionless on the ground. A shot rips off a branch just a few feet away. You really could be killed. Let's go, you shout. Drop and run to town. Turn to page 7. You scramble down the branches and leap to the ground after Billy. You start sprinting back towards Gettysburg, but you both stop short. Coming at you on a dead run is the whole Union Army. Thousands of bluecoats are chugging into the fight, their ammunition cases flapping, their faces red and streaked with sweat. They fill the land between you and safety. Some are already firing, right your way. What now, yells Billy. Your only hope is to veer right, to try and squirt out sideways before these two armies collide. Run to the ridge, to the seminary, you yell. Go! Turn to page 68. You see, nowadays we know it's a terrible idea for kids to run towards seminaries. They're not safe in there. It's like the least safe place for kids. We know that now. History's amazing. You and Billy make it a few hundred feet, but the firing around you grows too intense. You see a barn with high stone walls. In here, you shout. Billy is already diving through the door. Inside are horses and pigs, restless and frightened. You and Billy crouch low and hide. Pieces of the barn are blown in. Amid the explosions and the dense clamour of firing, you hear footsteps running, first this way, then that. Afraid to look out, you've got no idea who's winning the fight. Finally, late in the day, the firing eases. 
you hear men outside, lots of men, you don't know who they are. Let's have a look, you tell Billy. I'm scared. You look, he says. Okay, you say. You open the big barn door, step outside and freeze. The farm, the open land, every place you can see is covered with bodies. Most are blue-coated bodies. Some of them move. Many don't. But that's not the worst. Glancing towards Gettysburg, you see the Confederate army on the run, charging at your hometown. Please put your hands up, says a soft southern voice. Turn to page 114. Alright, so are we finally getting into it here? Is this where Robert E. Lee or General E. Lee, Jake E. Lee? Who's Jake E. Lee? Oh, that's Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist. Well, anyway, I'm hoping for something to do in this book soon. Shaking and suddenly cold, you raise your hands. You turn slowly. Standing there is a slender, blonde-haired man in a grey coat and a hat. He grips a pistol. A sword hangs at his side. He's a Confederate officer. Why, you're just a child, he says. No gun? No, sir. Is this place your home? Yes. He looks at you thoughtfully. How well do you know the terrain around here, he asks. Why, you say, surprised. I guess I know it pretty well. Of course you would, he says. I'd like, you th- I'd like to take you to General Lee. General Lee? There's a lot you could tell him, the officer says. If you help us master this terrain, it'll save a lot of lives in the end. Because one way or another, we're going to win this battle. You swallow hard as fear creeps up your spine. What's going to happen in Gettysburg? But if you run for town right now, the officer says, I won't shoot. Southern officers don't take young civilians prisoner. We rip the shit out of them. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I added that part. Turn to page two. You're being offered a once in a lifetime chance to meet the legendary Robert E. Lee. And maybe play a role in history. But right now Lee's army is overrunning your hometown. Maybe you should run after them. See if your family is alright. But even if they're in danger, what could you do? And even if this officer doesn't shoot, what about the rebel troops? The officer nods towards Seminary Ridge. His hand rests on the hilt of his sword. I'd suggest you come along, he says. You've got to choose. Now. Just like I'll be choosing when and when not to do the accent, okay? I will be, and also, I don't know if that's the southern accent. That's a Frank Underwood accent, so that's what we're doing here. My podcast, fuck you, don't know if you heard the headlines, so. This is it, folks. We're finally going to have to start making choices here. If you agree to meet General Lee, turn to page 25. If you make a run for Gettysburg, turn to page 10. Sorry, what was that? I couldn't hear you over the sound of flipping to page 25 immediately. Of course we're going to go and meet this fucking disturber. There's probably nothing you can do in town. You decide to meet the commander of the Confederates. I'll go with you, you tell the officer. He leads you down Seminary Ridge. On this early evening, everything is different. The dirt roads you've explored so often are crowded with rebel soldiers. So are the woods and fields. Skinny, dirty men are moving in everywhere. These soldiers aren't flashy. Many don't even wear uniforms. Just the ragged shirts of poor farmers. Those who are in uniform wear simple grey or butternut coloured jackets with a rolled blanket slung around their chests and a musket in their grip. Many are barefoot. Others have tied filthy rags around their feet. Only some wear dusty boots. But the rebels have fiery eyes. They shout and clap each other on the back as they draw into campsites. You see tents going up. Men who've marched and fought their way up from Virginia hold scraps of wood and pieces of farm fencing. Everyone around you is flushed with the day's victory. Is the battle over, you ask the fair-haired officer? Oh no, the Yanks don't quit that easily, he answers. But I'll tell you this, the Federal Army that's fallen back through your town right now is all that stands between us and Washington, D.C. Once we win this battle... We'll have won the war. Turn to page four. As evening settles in, campfires flare up all over the fields behind Seminary Ridge. The rebel officer leads you to a group of large tents. From the guards posted all around, you know that this is the command post, the new field headquarters of the Army of Northern Virginia. The officer nods to a sentry and then speaks to some men in grey outside one of the tents. They look at you, their foreheads wrinkling. 
Finally, one of the men shrugs, nods, and opens the tent flap. Your officer turns and motions for you to follow. You step into the tent. A lamp casts yellow light inside. A grey-haired man bending over a table starts to rise. Your breath stops. You're staring at Robert E. Lee, General of the Confederate States of America. You've never seen a more dignified-looking man. Grey-bearded and handsome, General Lee seems commanding, but also gentle. Oi, oi. Your officer speaks softly to him. General Lee turns to you and nods. His eyes are deep and sad, and only your little boy mouth can make him happy again. Hello, my young friend, he says. I understand you're an expert on this terrain. Well, you say, I guess I know the area. That's good, General Lee says, because this fight has just begun, and I don't like the situation my army is in. You don't know what he means. The rebels have won the upper hand. You saw it yourself. What does Lee know that you don't? Oh, I don't know. What does the fucking general know that a ten-year-old from a tree doesn't know? <laughs> I love this book. Page 107, coming right up. The Army of the Potomac gave us a hard fight today, Robert E. Lee says. And I expect a harder one tomorrow. They've regrouped then, General, asks the officer who brought you here. Yes, Colonel Cole, says Lee. He spreads a sheet of paper on the rough table. You expect to see a map, but it's blank. As you know, federal troops have retreated through town, says Lee. They've taken a new position on some high ground just beyond Gettysburg. I'm told there are two hills there and another ridge. Is that right? Why, yes, you say. Cemetery Ridge. Lee motions at the big sheet of paper. He hands you a pencil. Usually my cavalry tells me the lay of the land, he says, but I haven't seen my cavalry for days. No one can tell me where they are. Please sketch these hills and ridges. Draw the map for the Battle of Gettysburg. You stare at Lee's hand, holding out the pencil. Can you do this? Is it right? You're trembling as you look up into his eyes. It's a very sexual book. At once you know why this man is a great commander. Somehow his deep brown eyes tell you that this must be done. The strength of Lee's will is so overwhelming that your hand reaches for the pencil and your fingers curl around it. Turn to page 17. Here's the town, you say, drawing a rectangle. Wow, nice. You sketch Seminary Ridge. We're here. Just past the other side of town are those two hills, right close together. Cemetery Hill and Culp's Hill. The Federals are concentrating on those hills now, says Lee. Cemetery Ridge runs down from the graveyard. It's mostly open ground with some stone walls and such, you say, sketching it. That's right across from where we are now. Which is higher, asks Lee. Our ridge or theirs? You look seriously at Lee. Theirs is higher. I was afraid of that, he muses. General, why not attack now, Colonel Cole says. The Federals are reeling. We could finish them tonight. Slowly, Lee nods. I've given orders that General Ewell's men are to do that, if they are able. But this day's fighting has been dreadful. Our men are exhausted. It appears General Ewell has decided not to push them further. But tonight we have many more troops coming up, Lee continues. The enemy is here, he points to the hills and ridges beyond town. And tomorrow I shall strike him. He turns to you. The question is, where? In fact, you know just where the rebels should strike. But should you tell Lee and perhaps give the battle, even the war, to the Confederacy? Turn to page 71. The Federals are massing on the two hills at the top of Cemetery Ridge. But at the bottom are more hills. Little and big round top. Little round top, the closer one, looms right over the Union positions. And lately, a farmer has cleared the trees from its rocky face. From that open hilltop, Confederate cannons could blast the Federal Army right out of the war. Right now you may be the only one who knows this key to victory in the Battle of Gettysburg. Should you tell General Lee what you know? He'll probably find out anyway, but maybe not soon enough to beat the Federals to Little Round Top. You could play a huge part in history, maybe, and perhaps the Confederates deserve to win this war. Now that you've met such impressive men as General Lee and Colonel Cole, you wonder again if their cause could be so wrong. 
Yet you and your family are northerners. What if the south winds? What will it do to your homeland? What will it do to your family? You get a new family. Family full of slaves. Happy days. Kidding. Something about General Lee makes you want to help him. But you could also try to reach the Union leaders and tell them instead. General Lee is watching you. He can tell there's something on your mind. Should you tell him the secret to victory? If you tell Lee about Little Round Top, turn to page 48. If you try to reach the Union leaders instead, turn to page 37. So, I get the impression that if we help General Lee out, it's just, we're just going to wind up end of book, end of story, game book over. So, I'm just going to try and remember what pages are all involved here. So, we're on page 71. If we want to snitch the, the leader of the slavery movement, we turn to page 48. And if we want to try and help the good guys, turn to page 37. Okay, let's see. We're going, obviously, we will be going to page 48 first to see what's what. You decide to share the crucial information with General Lee. You take a deep breath. General Lee, you say. There's a hill at the bottom of Cemetery Ridge. You sketch a rough circle. Lee peers intently at your drawing. Yes. It's higher than the ridge. The trees have been cleared from its front. Instantly, the great general understands. If we take this hill, we will command the whole federal position, he says. What's this hill called? Little Round Top, sir. Hmm, and the ground around Little Round Top, what is it like? In front of the hill is a little valley that's very rocky, General. Just across it lies a jumble of huge boulders that people call the Devil's Den. Sometimes we play there. The General looks at you. Do you play a soldier? Yes, sir. Well, there will be real soldiers there tomorrow. A lot of them. We'll take that hill and win this battle. Lee speaks to General... Uh, Lee speaks to Colonel Cole. Colonel, General Longstreet is bringing up the First Corps tonight. When he arrives, send him to see me right away. Of course, General. The Colonel nods to you and smiles. Then he leaves the tent. You're all alone with Robert E. Lee. Turn to page 63. Very, very erotic vibes here sometimes. This is awkward. Shall I go, General Lee, you ask? No, he says. Stay and tell me more. There's a lot I must learn, and quickly besides. Besides, he says, his deep eyes softening. I've missed the companionship of young people. Check the computer. And so you stay. Carefully, you describe the countryside around Gettysburg. After a while, Lee asks about your family. You tell him they live in town, and that you're worried. Are they safe, you ask? I mean, from your soldiers. Lee nods. I have ordered my men to treat all civilians with respect, he says. Still, I will send a message to your family. They'll be told that you are safe behind Confederate lines. He asks your address and gives the message to an orderly. Now, says Lee, my camp is yours for the night. Colonel Cole will see that you are fed and given a blanket. You must remain under guard. You swallow. Under? Guard? Yes, Lee says. You know the critical element of our plans for tomorrow's attack. That information must stay here. Please, he adds, do not try to leave this camp. As an orderly leads you out of Lee's tent, you wonder. Once the battle is over, will they let you go? Turn to page 91. You're a prisoner in the Confederate camp. What did Lee mean when he warned you not to try leaving here tonight? And if you do leave, or if the rebels let you go home after the battle, will you be branded a traitor at home? Your mind is a whirl. Good word. But you try to stay calm. Colonel Cole, gentlemanly as always, assigns a lean, moustached soldier in a tan jacket and tattered hat to guard you. The soldier brings you food. A tin plate with some hard, flat things under thick brown molasses. What is this hard stuff? That's hard tack, says the soldier. He grins. Flour and water biscuits. Been eating them for three years. Taste like their name, don't they? You try to chew the hard tack. Taste like a sawdusty old board, you say. His grin widens. You're lucky. We don't usually get molasses with it. As night falls, officers gather at Lee's tent. You see several who look like generals with long double-buttoned coats. Their faces are very serious. But around you, the troops at their campfires break into laughter, jovial talk and singing. 
you know many of the songs by heart. They're American songs. You ask your guard, do they know they're going into battle tomorrow? Sure they do, he says softly. Oh. You hug your knees to your chest. An idea is stirring in your in your head. Will it be possible later, much later, to escape? Turn to page 14. You're lying very still, wrapped in an itchy rebel blanket. Your guard leans against a tree. He's finally snoring. The camp is dark and quiet. A lamp still burns in Lee's tent. Your mind has been churning with the tales you've heard of how the rebels treat their prisoners. The stories are awful. Of southern prison camps where the captivities are, the captives, excuse me, are crammed together like worms in a can, with filth and disease everywhere, and no shelter from the broiling sun. It is said that it's better to die on the battlefield than be taken prisoner by the Rebs. Is this all true, or just a lot of horror stories? Now's your chance. If you can sneak out of Lee's camp, no one will know you're a prisoner with life and death information. They'll just see a local kid. Billy Bailey's house is not far beyond Seminary Ridge. If you can make it there, you'll be free. No one need know what you told Robert E. Lee. But the rebels have been decent to you. Gentlemanly. Maybe once the battle is over, they'll let you go. Maybe you shouldn't take a chance on escaping now. It's time to decide. If you stay in Lee's camp, turn to page 77. If you try to sneak away, turn to page 41. Okay, well, pro-cons, if we try and help the Confederates, maybe someone will try and cancel this podcast and I'll blow up overnight. Uh, Con, uh, slavery, um, pros to sneaking away, get to save family. That is important. If I was this kid, um, but you know, con had to stop off at Billy Bailey's house first. Also, isn't there a messenger on the way to his parents' house? I mean, I guess that might be over by now because it's much later now, but surely they know that he's been with the confederates and then he then what i get home here and my father's like what did you tell them beats the shit out of me i don't fucking think so so if you stay in lee's camp turn to page 77 let's fucking do it i always like pantera anyway you decide not to risk an escape the next morning july 2nd you expect a battle but nothing happens no battle that is Yet all around you, after they've eaten breakfast and doused their campfires, rebel troops start to move. You stay in Lee's camp as officers come and go. Then Lee sends for you again. At the edge of his camp, the general sits on a stump. He gazes out from the trees of Seminary Ridge across the gold wheat fields that slope gently upward towards distant Cemetery Ridge. It's a warm day. The sun pokes through the clouds. You wonder if Lee knows you're here. He seems deep in thought. But now he points to the opposing ridge, higher and almost a mile away. He says, See what the sun catches up there? You look and your breath skips. All across Cemetery Ridge you can see light glinting off shiny objects. From one end to the other, along the far off stone walls and gleaming through the clumps of trees, the sunlight strikes metal. They're all there, says Lee. The whole army of the Potomac. They fortified the entire position in the night. This is going to be a frightful day, but we'll drive them off those heights. I'm sure of it. My men can do anything. Anything? The rebels' bravery is legendary, and Lee's eyes are glittering. But you look at those heights and wonder, this time, is it possible that Robert E. Lee could be wrong? Turn to page 65. Several hours pass, but General Lee just sits there. He speaks to you only once. I've sent General Longstreet's first corps into the woods down below us, he says. Our scouts down there tell us there are no Union troops on the hill. Meanwhile, I've ordered General Ewell's second corps to attack the two hills above town, mostly to, to divert the Yankees. After both attacks have begun, and the Yankees have rushed their troops to both ends, we'll send a third corps right at the centre of Cemetery Ridge. We'll break through. What's on the other side, General? He stirs ahead. Washington. Baltimore. Philadelphia. Victory, says Lee. The day drags on in suspense. Then, in mid-afternoon, Confederate cannons open up on your right. After their heavy thunder begins, the rebel artillery up close to town starts firing too. The ground shudders and roars with crashes. 
Now the Federals answer with their cannons and the whole world is in uproar. All along both lines, grey smoke billows up and catapults forward. The air is dense with metal, with heavy flying shells. They give off strange and whirring and whistling sounds, then crashing and thunderous shaking with terrible explosions. Lee turns to you. Get to safety, he says. Safety? Where? Turn to page 15. In the woods all around, in the fields ahead of you, shells thud and explode. Nobody's guarding you. Lee sits alone on his stump. Oh my god, are we going to kill him? Hell yeah. Nobody speaks to him or brings him messages. It's as if he has given his orders and the battle is out of his hands now. You think fast. Billy Bailey's farmhouse is behind Seminary Ridge, back of the rebel lines, and behind the targets of the Union gunners. You'd better make a dash for it. You look back one last time, but Lee is looking away, gazing at the smoke. You dash over the dirt road that leads along the ridge. All at once you're caught in a crowd of young men. Some look like boys. They're all running down the ridge carrying long, narrow objects. Come on, yells a man with stripes on his arm. He grabs your collar and yanks... He grabs your collar and yanks you forward. But forget the butts, the man yells. In an hour there'll be men down everywhere. Now move! No, I... The man stops. He sticks his face in yours. I'm Avery Hill. Sergeant Avery Hill. This is the drum corps, 2nd South Carolina Infantry. We're a stretcher crew now. This whole war's coming to a head this afternoon. Every free hand's got to help bring out wounded. I don't see you carrying any musket, so now you're a stretcher bearer too. You gulp. Okay, you say. Should have killed General Lee when we had the chance. Just saying. Turn to page 113. Sergeant Hill stops a man carrying two long rolled up stretchers. He takes one and hands it to you. Now keep up, he yells over the thundering bombardment. And he dashes back to the front of his drum-turned stretcher corps. For a moment you run too. But it's hard to keep up. The stretcher is awkward and heavy. It twists your arms and as you run it bangs your hip. The men start to pull away. You could ditch this thing right now in the fields. Hill isn't looking. You'd be long gone before he realised it. But the battle is starting and people are going to be hurt. Rebels and Yankees. If you join the stretcher carriers, you could help. And you could see the battle too. You've got to choose right now. Billy Bailey's house and possible safety. Or the assault on the hill called Little Round Top. If you run for Billy's house, turn to page 83. If you join the stretcher corps, turn to page 97. So I thought the whole deal here was that Billy Bailey's house was in the line for that third core attack where they're going to come through the middle after the Yankees are distracted down to either end of the town. So I don't feel like, I think like possible safety is the only thing you can call that because it's not guaranteed safety. But the assault on the hill called Little Roundtop, although it does amuse me to keep trying to help the Confederates out and I'll probably do that, seems like that's probably going to be a bad time. It's going to be cannon fire, you know, people with no arms, people getting their legs blown off, amputees basically, like, I'm not into it, I'm not here for it, I don't like their porn, I don't want them around. Uh, let's have a think about this. Only joking, amputees, chill the fuck out. It's just a bit of an armless fun. Hey, this podcast back on top. Back on top, baby boy. Um, yeah, so, yeah, well, obviously, we're just going to keep disturbing. Uh, let's join the Confederate stretcher court. Turn to page 97. You lift the stretcher and start to run. A couple of seconds later, a shell plows into the earth not far from where you were standing and explodes. You're thrown hard to the ground. But after you get up, grab the stretcher and take off after Avery Hill and his drummers. Oh, but after you get up, yeah, okay. You wonder what you'll do with the wounded. Will you have to go right into Yankee fire? Can you do that? Down Seminary Ridge you run, past an artillery battery that rages here in the trees. Back of the ridge an infantry unit sprawls on the grass waiting. You run until you're exhausted, heavy footed and sweating. Your hands ache as they grip the stretcher and your hip is sore from being banged. Below the ridge your rebel group swings it below the ridge your group swings into dense woods. Ahead you see rebel soldiers. You know you're coming towards the round top. Your group stops. In a few minutes, the awful bombardment subsides. Now there's a long, waiting silence. It's broken by a stirring of leaves. The soldiers are moving. 
From everywhere in the woods around you rises a weird, high-pitched shrieking and howling, like men gone crazy. You're hearing the famous rebel yell, the Confederates are attacking. Is that what that Billy Idol song is about? I did not know that. That is brand new for me. So what did they do? Scream like a bunch of bitches? That's funny. Okay, turn to page 36. Let's go. We're getting good mileage out of this. You wait in the woods with the drummers for an hour or more. It's late afternoon. Beyond the woods ahead, the noise builds and builds. At first, it's a widespread crackling, like dozens of firecrackers. Then it grows into a storm, a raging of terrible roars as muskets fire over and over. Yells and screams drift through the trees. You wish you knew how the battle was going. Why is there so much firing? Did the Federals get troops on the little round top before the rebels attacked? Avery Hill moves among your group, shouting over the noise. Men stand and lift their stretchers. You'll work with me, Hill yells at you. He grabs one end of your stretcher and unrolls the canvas slung between the two poles. He nods ahead and starts running through the woods. You keep up, stumbling now and then. You know this area. Beyond the woods there's a rough rocky passage alongside the creek called the Plum Run. Then the ground opens to the little valley at the base of Little Round Top. And across the valley from the hill, the huge boulders of Devil's Den crowd up. You remember this place from quiet times. You're not ready for the scene of mayhem and terror that you and Avery Hill stumble into now. Turn to page 47. The area before you, leading to the base of Little Round Top, will be known after today as the Valley of Death. Already you see why. Bloody and wounded rebel soldiers are writhing among the big rocks. From up ahead where the ground opens comes smoke and roar and firing. The battle has passed through here and left dozens, maybe hundreds of casualties. Men whose bodies are torn by ragged holes lie soaked in blood. One poor soldier with shattered legs pulls himself towards some sheltering rocks like a lizard someone has stepped on. Others lie motionless. Come on, shouts Hill, yanking at the stretcher. Poor choice of words. Um, with the other stretcher bearers, you begin moving among the rocks and bodies. You start loading those who are not too terribly wounded. You lift one soldier and he howls with pain. You almost drop him, but you don't. Your hands are sticky with blood. Once you get each wounded soldier loaded, you dash back to the shelter of the woods and simply unload him. That's all. No bandaging, no water. Then you run back towards the fighting. For an hour, you move back and forth at a steady run, ignoring the bullets that whiz up ahead. Steadily, you move closer to the fighting until you come out at the edge of the valley. Looking up, you see the fight for Little Round Top has reached a crisis. Turn to page 20. I'm just going to say, I've mentioned it before, I'm going to say it again, there's not a lot of choosing in this choose-your-own-adventure. Even Avery Hill stops to watch. Halfway down the rocky open slopes of the low hill, a line of blue coats is battling so close to the rebel attackers that their muskets almost touch. Smoke gusts up and darts of flame stab through it as the blue-coated fighters rise from behind stone walls to blast straight into the Confederates. The Federals must have rushed troops over the back of Little Round Top just in time to meet the rebel assault. To the left along the spreading valley rises the smoke and crashing of a terrible battle. This is the edge of everything. If the rebels can break the Union line and take this hill, they'll have the whole Yankee army below them in their sights. And this duel on the hill has got to break soon. The Yankees are holding on, but the rebels are pushing more men up the hill. They're hammering and blasting at the blue line. You're sure the blue coats are about to give way when something wild and surprising happens. There's a roar of men's voices, but it's not the rebel yell. Over the right shoulder of the hill comes a charge of blue coats. Sunlight glints off their bayonets and they don't stop the fire. Instead, they swing like a gate that closes smack into the side of the Confederates. Turn to page 12. At this moment, in this place, the tide of Gettysburg starts to turn. In years to come, you'll read and talk many times about this small but vital charge. How the 20th Maine Regiment fighting at the end of the Union line on Little Round Top against the battle-tough 15th Alabama ran almost completely out of ammunition. Knowing the battle, even though war was at stake, the Maine commander ordered his men to fix their bayonets and charge. You, uh, Very brave of him. You watched the shouting Maine soldiers rush at the rebels. For a second, the Confederate fighters stopped as if they can't believe what's happening. Then the 15th Alabama, which has never before been defeated in battle, 
turns and clatters back down the hill. Next thing you know, there's a stampede of retreating Confederates and a storm of Union guns firing right at you. There's wild confusion. Men are dropping everywhere to get away from this deadly fire. You crouch behind a rock. The ground is covered with the dead, mangled and badly wounded. There are so many, you could never bring them all to safety. The air above your head whistles with musket fire. You want to get away if you can make it, but all around you men cry and plead for help. Should you join the wild retreat or stay with your soldier and keep bringing wounded soldiers to safety? If you fall back, turn to page 81. If you stay, turn to page 70. Um, don't know, like, join the wild retreat seems a much more dangerous option, but hanging out there probably doesn't seem great either, but then at least might get taken in by the Union and taken back to safety, saying as they're going to win this battle now. Like, they win this battle, right? This is what, this is what does it. Abe Lincoln gives a big speech at the end of this, the Gettysburg Address. Or at some point the com later in history that commemorates it. Alright, well, let's, um, no, let's see what happens if we go with all the chaos. Alright, if you fall back, turn to page 81. Let's roll. Terror-stricken, you run from the Valley of Death with the fleeing Confederates. You half expect Hill to chase you down and grab you, but he doesn't. You never see him again. You run past the wounded men you've laid among the trees without stopping. You stumble through the woods. All around you men are doing the same, but you see officers moving among the soldiers, gathering them into groups again. The rebel fighting units are reforming. You keep forging through the woods until you reach the road that runs along Seminary Ridge. It's late in the day and the storm of battle is fading from the fields, woods and orchards between enemy lines. Exhausted and bloody soldiers return from those fights, some in organised units, others singly and in ragged groups. More stretcher bearers bring in the wounded. You dodge through all the movement, shouting in confusion. You know where you're going. You reach Lee's headquarters. Incredibly, the general is still sitting on the stump. Is that like a thing? Did he just do that? Did he just sit there the whole day? The sentry recognises you. He nods. Quietly, you approach the general. General Lee, you say. It's... It's awful. He nods and turns to you. Yes, he says. It's always awful. We hit them hard today and we almost broke them in several places. Tomorrow we will break them. If we hit them with everything, right there. He points straight away. He points straight ahead towards the very center of Cemetery Ridge. Turn to page 112. You can't believe Lee means it. Almost a mile of wide open fields lies between the rebels and Cemetery Ridge. Can a Confederate charge tomorrow possibly succeed? The trouble is, Lee tells you, I don't really know how much of the Federal force is concentrated there. Today we've attacked the southern end of their line, he motions to the right, where smoke still rises from the bloody battlegrounds that will be known always as Devil's Den, Little Round Top, the Wheatfield and the Peach Orchard. They've rushed forces there. This evening we will attack the other end, at those two hills above Cemetery Ridge. By tomorrow I hope the Union lines will be bunched at those ends and weak in the middle. If my plan succeeds, an all-out charge right here in the centre can overwhelm the Federals and win the war. But General Lee, you say, how can you be sure the Union force will be weak in the middle? Lee turns to you. His brown eyes sparkle with the challenge. That's where I hope to rely on you, boy. He says, turn to page 96. I think it's funnier the less I do it. You stare at General Lee. Your throat is dry. What do you mean rely on me? Our charge is planned for the middle of tomorrow afternoon. I'd like you to leave this camp early tomorrow morning, walk through town and cross the Union lines. We'll provide you with a sack load of bread to carry. If you're stopped, say you're bringing the bread to the troops. Get behind Cemetery Ridge. See how many troops are there, then come back and tell me. But, I know you're not a southerner. This isn't your cause, Lee says kindly. But if I send all my infantry against a Union line that's heavily defended, thousands upon thousands of men on both sides will die. I am the commander here. If there is a chance at victory, I must attack. But if there is no chance, we need not waste so many fine young lives. You can answer this question for me. Will you do it? For a long moment you stir at the ground. Will you do what Lee asks? Turn to page 24. All right, you say to Lee. 
I'll try it. The general nods. Good. Stay here tonight. I won't place you under guard again. I know you can be trusted. He turns back to gaze at tomorrow's battlefield. You spend the evening wandering the Confederate encampments along Seminary Ridge. Under the soft, bright glow of a full moon, the rebel soldiers sit quietly around their campfires. In the distance is the sound of hard fighting. Gone are the high spirits of the night before. We fought them as hard as we ever have, you hear one soldier say, and we hardly gained an inch. They've got the high ground, says another rebel. It's their own ground too, says a third. We ain't in Virginia anymore. I think the Yanks are finally turning into soldiers, says the first. We've got a fight on our hands, that's sure, another soldier says, but we'll get them tomorrow. You walk on. Crowds of wounded men lie the road. The night air is thick with their moans and painful cries. A scream rips through. You hurry on, but as far up the road as you can see, the wounded go on and on. You hear the men moving, sighing, weeping, whispering the names of people they love. You'll never forget the sights and sounds of this night of July 2nd, 1863. Turn to page 98. At mid-morning on Friday, July 3rd, clouds are clearing and the day is getting warm. Almost no townspeople are in the streets of Gettysburg, only rebel soldiers moving to and fro. You see wounded being carried into homes. You're accompanied by Colonel Cole, the gentlemanly officer from Lee's staff who first captured you. You're carrying a bumpy burlap sack. You're carrying a bumpy burlap sack. You're very worried that someone who knows you will see you with this rebel officer. When you were behind Confederate lines and with the great Robert E. Lee, this all seemed exciting. But now you realize you're actually aiding the enemy. Isn't this a crime? If you're spotted, will they hang you? Down your back runs a trickle of icy sweat. But the townspeople must be hiding in their homes or they've fled town. In the bustle of troops and others, you pass unnoticed. You hope. Near the edge of town, Colonel Cole stands. Good luck, he says. He hands you a piece of white cloth tied to a stick. But what if someone shoots me? Just remember what to say and do. Be brave. You could be saving many lives. Or losing mine, you mutter. You walk to the edge of town. Nervously, you raise the white flag as you step out into no man's land, the space between the two armies. The houses open onto fenced-in fields. Confederate sharpshooters peek from the upstairs windows behind you. Ahead, you can see bristling Union fortifications on Cemetery Hill. The night's fight for that hill has subsided. The night's fight for that hill has subsided, with the Federals still in control. As you walk, you wave the white flag and wait for a bullet to hit you. Be confident, the Colonel told you. You hold your head up and walk steadily. Turn to page 66. Along the teeny town road at the base of Cemetery Hill, a sentry steps from behind a barricade of piled logs and fence posts. What's your purpose? Bread for the wounded, you say, holding up the bag. The sentry opens the bag and looks in. Deeply, dreamily, he inhales the warm scent. You whisper, like one? He looks around. Quickly, he says. You slip him a loaf. He sticks it in his dark blue jacket and stands aside. The road runs in back of Cemetery Ridge. You walk into a throng of activity that grows and grows. Dozens of carts and wagons, horses pulling cannons and marching troops many ranks deep. The Federals have so much more of everything. You turn and climb to the ridge toward the center of the Union line. Stop, a voice commands. A sharp-faced rifleman steps up. Where do you think you're going? You think fast. There, the widow Lester's house, you say, pointing to a little farm cottage up ahead. I've got bread for the... Yes, the generals, he says, sighing heavily. Who else gets good bread? I'll take you there. The generals, you think? Turn to page 89. Oh my god, are they going to make me betray my friend Robert E. Lee? No way, man. I won't do it. You Yankee pigs can't make me turn on my boy. What kind of America is that that would make you turn on your boy? And looked after me throughout the whole battle. The Federal Rifleman leads you to the White Cottage partway up Cemetery Ridge. Outside are, outside are tied several well-groomed horses. The soldier raps on the back door. A stocky man in rolled up shirt sleeves and a dirty apron opens it. Here's a delivery for you, says the soldier. The stocky man looks at you and at the bread. Bread, you say? From town, for the generals. From town? For a moment the man peers at you, puzzled. 
Then he shrugs. Well, a sack of bread will do just fine. Come in, I can use you. But, go on, says the soldier, and he gives you a little push. Out here's no place for a youngster. Turn to page six. But out there is just where you want to be. You've seen a lot of soldiers around, but you need a... But out there is just where you want to be. You've seen a lot of soldiers around, but you need to climb atop the ridge to get a full look at the Union defences. How can you do that now? The house's little kitchen is steamy and hot. The stocky cook dumps your sack of bread on the counter. Excellent, he says. Just right for General Meade's luncheon meeting with the field commanders. Now get to work slicing these. He hands you a knife and walks out of the kitchen. The door's at your back. You could slip out now, hurry to the ridge crest, take a look and try to get out of there. Or you could stay. If this General Meade is the top commander, you might be able to overhear the Union battle plan. Hmm. But if I stay, I have to slice bread. But if I go, I'm more likely to get caught. But it's more advantageous for Robert E. Lee if I stay here and get the secrets. But I also feel like this book will make me confess that I'm a Confederate agent in the Yankee camp. So I think that this is a fraught part of the plan. Let's stay and see what happens, okay? If you stay, turn to page 74. You decide to stay and see what you can learn here inside the Union headquarters. It's not yet noon. Lee's attack is planned for mid-afternoon. You only hope you've got enough time. You cut the loaves into, th into slices. The cook returns. Good, he grunts. He gives you some onions to chop for the officer's lunch. So, you say to the cook as you chop, what's General Meade like? The cook chuckles. He's a goggle-eyed old snapping turtle. Says so himself. But I'd say General Meade is doing right well. This be in the biggest battle of the war, and his first in command. This is his first battle? In command, yeah. Lincoln put him in charge just a few days ago. Surprised a lot of people. Meade, not be, Meade might not be the shining leader type. He's more like a gloomy old professor, but he's smart, and he's made the right move so far. This might be your chance. What about today, you ask? Is he ready for the rebels today? The cook's eyes narrow. How should I know? You ask too many questions. When you're serving the officers, keep your lips shut. Understand? Go on to the next page. Ah, okay. I'm going to serve the officers? That's right. It's a good thing you came along. Here. He hands you a platter of bread. The officers have gathered in the yard. Go serve them. When the tray is empty, come back. You step outside, into the midst of the Union High Command. Turn to page 52. Wow, I get everywhere. Straight up. From the cook's description, you instantly recognize General George Gordon Meade, the Union commander. A thin-faced man with stringy hair and beard and droopy eyes. Meade seems gloomy and thoughtful. Around him stand a half-dozen other top officers. Each man wears a long blue coat with a double row of brass buttons. You can hardly believe you've come from Robert E. Lee's headquarters to General Meade's. You struggle to stay calm as you carry the bread platter around to the officers. General Meade takes a slice without looking. He's talking to a handsome, tall officer with a dashing long moustache. You don't know it, but this is General Winfield Scott Hancock, commander of the Union Center and already one of the heroes of Gettysburg. Well, General Hancock is saying, The center is solid now, and I'm bringing up more troops every hour. Good, mumbles Meade, munching his bread. Let's just hope I'm right. I believe you are, says Hancock. Lee has hit us hard on both ends and failed. He'll try the centre today. Go on to the next page. The centre? Then Meade has guessed Lee's plan. If you can somehow get back to Lee, you could head off disaster for the rebels. But should you? It's not your fight. Even Lee said that. If he's going to make a colossal mistake, what can you do to stop him? Yet Lee's men have fought so bravely. You can't stand to think of them all dying on the long fields between you. You look at your serving tray. It's empty. Your brain churns as you walk back to the kitchen. The cook takes your tray. He loads it with butter. You stand there, staring at the butter. Well, says the cook, go. Startled, you nod and step back out. It must be noon by now, or even a little after. Should you try to get away from here? Could you possibly reach the southern lines in time? Turn to page 104. It's actually one o'clock as you begin to pass around the butter. Both the Union and the rebel-held ridges have been silent. But now a single gun sounds from Seminary Ridge. You don't know it, but you've just heard the signal gun for the Confederate artillery. 
They're starting what will be, over the next two hours, the most massive two-way artillery bombardment ever mounted so far in history. An overwhelming thunderstorm of shells from both sides. There's a lot of roaring from the other side. One of the first shells from the Confederate bat batteries comes whistling over the Union front lines. It homes in on the yard of the Meade's headquarters. As you are offering butter to the Federal generals, the shell obliterates you. In years to come, historians of Gettysburg will retell the story of General Meade's orderly, who was hit by one of the first shells in the rebels' great bombardment on the third day. But no one knows the victim was really you, and no one ever learns what happened to you. To your grieving family, just like those of thousands of other Civil War casualties, it's as if you just disappeared. The End. Alright, well we got some good mileage out of that one. I feel like that took significantly longer than uh, War with the Evil Power Master and even maybe at least one of the plays with You Are a Cat. So there we go, that was Gunfire at Gettysburg. That's one of ten exciting endings. Feel free to pick that book up for yourself from wherever you get books. And look forward to more gamebook episodes in the future when I receive Freeway Fighter, part of the Fighting Fantasy series, in the mail, um, in the post. And uh, that's a good one. I think you need like dice and all to play those. So there's a little bit more to that one. It's a little bit more like RPG. So, um, you know, that's... Uh, I don't know, I just always thought these were cool, so it's kind of like a nostalgia hit for me. It's an easy episode where I don't have to be, like, so on all the time. And, uh, yeah, having a great time making this podcast. Loving seeing the listens creep up. Thanks for everybody that listens. Don't forget, you can get in touch with this show a billion different ways. Now, Punkadelic Podcasts on Instagram. If you go to Instagram, you go to the bio, you'll find the link to our link tree. Through Linktree slash Punkadelic Podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. You'll have to Google that. You'll find everywhere to listen to the podcast. You'll find us on Letterboxd so you can see what movies I've been reviewing. You'll find our, our Reddit where I share hilarious stuff. And um, you'll also find... You'll also find links there to buy me a beer where you can donate a few bucks to the podcast and putting everything that comes in through the buy me a beer sex or through the buy me a beer website to getting another microphone, getting sure SM58 top of the line good quality and we can start to have guests on here and we can really take this thing to the next level there is of course no obligation to do that honestly if you've been enjoying the show the best thing you can do for me um or to pay back or pay it forward whatever way you want to look at it is to just simply share it with somebody else tell people about it get the word out there let's get ready to grow this year all right everybody thanks very much for listening peace love punkadelic